Welcome to the Minnesota Hospice Radio Show. My name is Ken Hagelin, President of Minnesota Hospice. And joining me today are two incredible colleagues I have had the honor of working with in the hospice field for several years. They each have amazing life stories along with extensive experiences as hospice educators and end-of-life caregivers. They're also certified in advanced care planning as Honoring Choices facilitators. They are Reverend Debbie Meckley, Chaplain and Spiritual Care Advisor, and Hospice Social Worker Heidi Simon, MSW and Licensed Generalist Social Worker. Thank you guys for being here today. It's always great to be here. Well, we're finishing up our five-part series called Lifting the Veil, Revealing the Spiritual Truths About Dying and Death. We are on our fifth and final episode of the series. And today's topic is titled, The Gift of Your Legacy Through Honoring Choices. Now, just to remind the listeners, you guys have been doing this live as an experiential workshop over the last several weeks. And I tell you, the people that I'm talking to, I've gone there and I'm talking to people that attended, they're just completely overblown by the experiential workshop that you guys put on. It's been just fantastic. You know, we Thank knew you. we knew that this is information that people need. Yeah. Um, it's it, we're all curious about the known and the unknown, um, and we knew that they needed this. But boy, people were like, "Wow, we really needed this!" And I, there are people who couldn't make it here. When are you doing this again? Where can we find this? You know, information. So yeah. it exceeded. Wouldn't you say, Heidi, our expectations? It um, did. It was just a delight to see the people that were impacted and the conversations that were happening and the sharing and the caring. And mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. We all, um, looking at dying and death as an advisor, that it would also be informing our living experiences and our choices, which we'll talk about today. But that, I think, was the biggest takeaway for most people was I didn't really expect that if I'd really opened myself up to a conversation about end of life, that it would really impact the way that I'm living. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. wonderful. Well, I think it was one of the things that um, anybody who is caring for someone who's at end of life, they've been through the process and the mystery surrounding that and the implications. And there's just so many things that it, you know, it took you guys five weeks to get through the topics. And yet people kept saying to me, I need more. I need more of this. So we'll talk more about this at the end of the show, but this is a program that you guys are reaching out to the community with. And, and uh, we want yeah. the listeners, if you, if you have an interest in having you guys present this at uh, one of their events or you know, at some kind of a program, to reach out to us and let us know. And uh, we'll be giving out our information throughout the show today after each break, and uh, people can let us know if they're interested in, in looking more at that. And I would encourage them to do that because it is a powerful series um, and, and an experiential workshop. So, yeah. all right. Well, let's jump into today's topic here, which is the gift of your legacy through honoring choices. And, uh, and you guys, as I mentioned earlier, are Honoring Choices facilitators. So mm-hmm. you know what you're talking about. So it's great to have experts here on well, the subject. <laughs> we'll find out. No. So uh, Heidi, um, why don't you start us off? Well, thanks. We, we really wanted to focus on legacy because when we say that word or even think about what that implies, it's pretty big. But at the same time, we wanted to also acknowledge that it can be as complex or as simple as you want it to be because legacy is, it has many expressions, it has many possibilities, and it's ever-changing. There's a a fluidity to what legacy is. And so being able to connect that with the fact that we all are in a position to make some really impactful choices um, as we move through our end of life and how those choices and conversations then come right back around to our legacy and have an impact on that. So this was really exciting for us to do. Yeah, I'm reminded of uh, while we introduced this conversation about legacy and how I I think that culturally we think it has to be this big thing that we're leaving behind, whether it be monetary or an empire, but it can be anything from an empire to a saying, you know, a simple saying or a story that somebody shared that stays with you. Um, I was sharing a story that one of my uncles used to tell, and he got so into it, and he would talk about tip, tip, tip to the tall grass, and I'll never forget that. You know, um, it was 50-some years ago. Oh, gosh, I'm dating myself, but it was a long time. 
ago. And that's what I think about when I think about him. My mom had these sayings that I will forever remember, um, and they make me smile. So it's everything in between, and it's never too late to plant seeds of your legacy. Right. You know, we're constantly putting those little saplings, those little seeds, those thoughts that um, uh, allow us to experience something and to share that experience. Every time we share... We're, we're creating a legacy. Yeah. We're sharing a, a piece of ourselves. And that's what legacy, I think, really is about. And that was what we focused on. Right. And I think we can even honor those who have already passed on. I think of an example. Um, you know, my mom has a cookbook that my grandmother put together. And none of us met her. She made her transition before we were even born. But her little writings and notes and just the way that she put that together and she included newspaper clippings about who caught you know, some fish on this certain lake and those kinds of things start conversations. And pretty soon those stories that we weren't necessarily a part of become a foundation for us. And they give us, they give us something that that person has to offer, even though they've made that transition. And, and don't you think, and from some of the comments that day were, if you look at it that way and you have that perspective about your legacy, right. you can kind of relax into who you are. Really? And, mm -hmm. and be less critical and judgmental about, you know, where you've been, where you are and where you're going or what are you taking, you know, with you or giving back or paying forward. I, I think that we can take that pressure off and just be. Yeah. We talk all the time about how it's often the little things, yeah. right, that are big. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We included in this, you know, because of that, we talked a lot about owning our own story. And so to quote Brene Brown, she says, when we own the story, we can write a brave new ending. And we really wanted to include that because, you know, our there's no one ever going to be, ever has been like us. We are so unique. And our stories are also so unique because we move through our life experience in very much our own way with our own idea of what, you know, we're going to get out of that. I think oftentimes we can look at our story and it's just a focus on one chapter of that, something that we're not really settled with or doesn't make us feel good. And so we fixate on that. And so because of that, we, we don't want to share it. When actually the more, you know, we see through this experience that the more we share stories and the more we talk, we see that we actually do have uh, so to speak, a ripple effect, regardless of, of what the experience has been, but that when we share ourselves and everyone around us, it just it's just a richer experience because there's a realness to the fact that life is messy and none of us are going to come out of this perfect. Right. And, and I continue to reiterate that as much as we're talking about end of life and what that might be, or the third act for many of you who um, might have listened last week, we had a, a video from Jane Fonda talking about the third act. There are three acts, the zero to 30, 30 to 60, 60 to 90. Um, and I bring that up to say that as much as it is about what we want living to look like at the end of life it's how we're living now that's how we create that how we can create the ending to that story we've talked a lot about reconciliation with self and with others with culture yes. with whatever's going on in our lives um, but for most of us um, who were in who are taking part in this workshop we're in the third act or fastly approaching it and so creating a brave new ending um, is much easier than we may have um, thought it could be and so the importance of actually being able to do that because that's a new beginning we're always creating these these new beginnings and that's a way to do that right. to create a new story a new ending yeah and I think about the caregivers as we mentioned earlier we always want to honor them and and bring them into this conversation because so many times we have caregivers who are still raising their own children however they are that advocate and support for their parents exactly. and so that is in that act itself is a legacy because their children are watching mm -hmm. how they're navigating this and it's not easy it's a lot to take on but you know just allowing ourselves to just accept the fact that we are doing a beautiful thing in whatever way that looks because we're not comparing it to anybody else's but it's yeah. still it's still being observed and it's individual it is mm -hmm. and we the one of the funnest things um, that we did during our workshop is to ask our participants to tell us, um, we put up a slide and it said, now, remember who you are. And it talked about what will you leave behind? And they were able to just start, at first, you know, it was like, I think people were really thoughtful about 
you know, that idea of legacy. So how big or small is that? And I don't have this, you know, big thing that I've done. But then as we started talking, we really realized the things that were coming up were memories. Was I think the first thing someone said is memories and um, time with family, music, photographs. Family dinners. Yeah. So it's really the day-to-day things that we all know if we I think if we think about moving through an end of life experience with either a loved one or for us, you know, in in our daily work that we do, when we hear those conversations, usually it's about something specific to that person whether it was a meal they cooked or a joke or a habit that they had, that's really what brings everyone that joy and laughter. Yeah. Maybe they were stubborn and <laughs> didn't want to be told what to do. I hear that a lot. Because, you know, we have some really strong that, you know, a generation is very strong and independent thinkers and movers and you know, that comes up a lot. Well, we talked about, too, some of those um, monetary things and the meaning behind them so that we would lean to. Yeah. Can't forget about those. Right. Let's talk more about that because there was some, I was there and it was fantastic to hear these comments. You are listening to the Minnesota Hospice radio show. And that um, concludes our first segment here. And this will be continuing on the gift of your legacy through honoring choices. This is Pat with PJW Automotive. How do you choose an automotive repair shop? I bet you look for quality and dependability. You want someone you can trust to do the job right the first time. It saves you money and hassle because you're not coming back over and over again. My team of top-notch automotive specialists knows vehicles inside and out, and I guarantee it's worth the drive to PJW Automotive. One exit north of 694 on 35W and online at pjwauto.com. Hi, I'm Matt McNeil, and I want to encourage you to join me weekday afternoons at 3 p.m. for The Matt McNeil Show. It's a Twin Cities-based full hour of talk where we discuss what's going on in the state and in the nation from a Minnesota perspective. We'll be joined by a lot of great guests, and we'll take your phone calls. Interact with us on the Twitter page, at Matt McNeil Show, the Facebook page, Progressive Citizen X, The Matt McNeil Show, and on email. Comment at am950radio.com. The Matt McNeil Show, weekday afternoons at 3, right here on AM950. This is Dan Brooks, Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor with RBC Wealth Management. For the past 19 years, I've been managing wealth for individuals, institutions, and corporate retirement plan sponsors. Throughout my career, I've seen common traits in successful investors. They include the courage to be diversified, the willingness to work with a professional, the discipline to follow a plan, and patience. I welcome the opportunity to help contribute to your financial success. Call me at 612-371-2396. Hello, friends. I've been talking to you about Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens, Minnesota's first green cemetery dedicated to celebrating life and protecting our environment. One of the many wonderful things they have is something called the living urn. Ashes are buried in an urn with seedlings ultimately coming back to life as a glorious tree. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Why don't you log on to the website, mngreengraves.com. Learn more about Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens. See if it might be something that's meaningful for you. Enjoy a delicious home-cooked breakfast or lunch away from the kitchen at Milda's Cafe, now open seven days a week. Milda's Cafe has been cooking up family favorites since 1964. Grab a coffee and sit down for a delicious Philly scramble, house-made rolls, or Denver omelet. Stop in for lunch where you'll find authentic Finnish pasties every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Open weekdays 6 to 3, weekends 8 to 2. Milda's Cafe on Glenwood Avenue, four blocks east of Penn. It's a good day to be indigenous. Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. Our weekly Native American talk radio show will discuss national and local Native American news and events. Local and national guests will help us keep current with Mother Earth, tribal, and Twin City issues. Native American issues are human issues. We invite all people to walk hand in hand with our struggles, victories, and achievements. Listen Saturdays at 2 p.m. I am awake. Welcome back. You are listening to the Minnesota Hospice Radio Show. My name is Ken Hagland, and I'm joined by Reverend Debbie Meckley and hospice social worker Heidi Simon. 
Before we jump back into today's topic, titled The Gift of Your Legacy Through Honoring Choices, which is the last episode of our five-part series titled Lifting the Veil, Revealing the Spiritual Truths About Dying and Death, I want to remind our listeners that you can reach us by phone at 612-930-3339, by email at radio at mnhospice.com, or online at minnesotahospice.com. So last segment, we talked about owning our story, our uniqueness, the three acts that we have, the zero to 30 years, 30 to 60 years, 60 to 90 years. And uh, I heard one person say that's our, we, our first segment, we learn the next segment we earn, and the last segment we re- re- return. return. So learn, earn, return, and those three segments, and that um, was really helpful. The um, and we were talking about uh, part of the experiential part of the workshop uh, that we had with you guys on Sunday, and um, how people were talking about legacy and what was the things. And I remember one person said, I think it was like acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. And I think as you mentioned before the break here, Heidi. You know, we're all you know, strong, independent, and you know we got all this you know ideas about legacy, and sometimes as you you were mentioning, and that the audience I think was understanding, it's some of these simple little things. It, it's the recipe card, or it's that the note, or or a saying, or something. But uh, an act of kindness was uh, mm-hmm. really caught me when they were brainstorming about that. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, wonderful segment. Let's uh, let's start the second segment here. Debbie, I know you wanted to kick this off. Yeah, you know, we left off in the last segment talking about um, remembering who we are and what we, will we leave behind, anywhere from stories to simple sayings um, to possessions. Um, I had a patient that... Uh, was younger, 49, and it was so difficult for her family to talk about the funeral and to talk about um, what the flowers and the poetry and the scripture, the pallbearers, all of that. And so we met every week, and we would create a list of the things that she wanted to be able to create so then she could have the conversation with them, not to give it to them after she passed, which is sometimes a choice. Right. But in this, in this instance, um, it was also... Um, her possessions, some of the things that were so important to her, from jewelry to letters to um, pictures. And uh, we created a list. I helped her with a list and who they would go to and why it was the significance of that, how impactful it had been and why she chose that particular person to give it to. So um, that was a legacy and a gift that she gave of herself that they couldn't all come together and do because it was, for them at the time, emotional. And, and it was hard for them to lean into that pain. And so they had chose not to lean into that pain. So we helped her do it herself. Um, all the way down to we've talked about, you know, cremation and taking our ashes um, and um, having a tree planted. You know, what, is, what kind of tree is that? And, and where is that tree going to be? You know, things like that that are really important to um, let people know, those kind of monetary things. And, um, you know, as we move forward in this segment, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, Dr. Ira Biok's book, The Four Things That Matter Most. Heidi and I like to call them the five things that matter most. (laughs) We've added one to that. And, you know, the first one um, uh, in that book, and this is these five things that we're going to talk about here are our experience as well with everyone at end of life. What is coming up for them? What is triggering for them? What is most important to them? What matters the most? And that first one is, please forgive me. You know, what is heavy on your heart? Um, That maybe now, because as much as it is at end of life, we talk about living. How can we live better so that we can die better? Because in our experience, in our hospice work, we see that people die the way they lived. And if we can live better and lean into these spiritual aspects of our own pain while we're living and while we're healthy, um, how much better that would be for us. So um, please forgive me. Is that something you can talk about now? If you don't, you can certainly wait until end of life and have that conversation. But how do we move through that? What's heavy on your heart? And we've found that oftentimes words are the least purveyor of the truth. Um, sometimes that's writing it down. Maybe the person that you need to ask forgiveness from is no longer with us. Or maybe they do not want to be in your presence. Mm-hmm. That's a, a possibility. Yes. You can still forgive them. 
You can say that out loud. You can speak those words out into the universe. You can speak it to another person, to yourself, or put it in writing and, and journal that. Or visualize that conversation, how you'd want it to be. How does it sound? How does it feel? What are the expressions on the face? Who's holding each other? So um, Please Forgive Me is, as we have talked about, is number one on the minds. Forgiveness is number one out of all the four aspects of pain. 56% of what is on somebody's heart and mind is forgiveness. It is. And just as we were saying earlier, I think that's a significant part about being able to own that story and then, you know, kind of let go of what no longer serves you and write the next the next chapter or rewrite or create the new ending exactly right so then on the other side of please forgive me is i forgive you and just thinking about forgiveness in general just that whole act exists at our heart center because anytime we run something through our mind we could talk ourselves out of a you know there's a million reasons why you shouldn't do something but when we really hold that in our heart center it has a different feel and it has a different purpose and so as you mentioned Deb you know that is the number one thing that people hold on to is wanting that forgiveness whether it's for themselves or someone else because like I said earlier being human is messy it's muddy we have all kinds of things that happen in relationships but at the same time sometimes we could even be um, stepping into a story we may not even have been physically here, but there's a generational story that exists that we yes. just take on. And so then we just kind of continue on with that and we recreate patterns in our circles, whether they're family or friends or wherever we are. And so I think being really um, aware of where that exists and knowing that in some way we've all been dishonored, we've all been let down, we've all been lied to. On the other side of that, if we're really honest with ourselves and introspective, we know that we've been an accomplice in those very same behaviors. And I know we've mentioned on this show before that when we are mindful of that um, idea of, of forgiveness, that we're existing in forgiveness at every point of our day and our life with people that we've never even met because you know we do and say things that we don't necessarily have any idea that it would be offensive or harmful or hurtful to someone, but they've held that space for us anyway. And they've looked at us like, like the being inside of us is, is just so good intentioned that we wouldn't hold that, that feeling, I guess. Um, and that if we, if we deny that, we deny so many things. And like you said, it doesn't necessarily even have to be a conversation we have with the person. We're not denying or condoning something that's happened. We're just acknowledging that, you know what, how is that benefiting me to hold on to that and how can I move forward? Love it. Good stuff. Well, the music cues us. It's already the end of the second break here. Um, we're coming right back after a short break to continue our discussion on today's topic, the gift of your legacy through honoring choices. Once I was seven years old, my mama told me, go make yourself some friends or you'll be lonely. Once I was seven years old. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. At the Home Depot, summer heat means it's time to add Vigoro colored mulch to your list and your cart. Right now, get five bags for just 10 bucks. Underneath it all, Vigoro lays down a layer of protection that helps retain soil moisture in shades of red, brown, or black. You can't control the heat. You can control the results. 
Vigoro Colored Mulch. Five bags, ten bucks. Only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Color selection may vary by store. Limit 60 bags per customer. Did you know that Habitation Furnishing and Design has the area's largest selection of Noir and CFC furniture? Are you familiar with them? I once had a customer describe Noir as a cross between restoration hardware and Beetlejuice. I love that. And CFC, bench-made furniture out of the heart of California, is definitionally cool. In any event, check out the lines at NoirFurnitureLA.com and then swing into the store and check them out in person. Habitation Furnishing and Design, one mile east of Highway 100 on Excelsior Boulevard. With spring, it's car wash season. Thank goodness for the Luther Advantage program from Rudy Luther Toyota. Not only do I save 10 cents off per gallon of gas at holiday station stores, but I also get big discounts on car washes. And with free two years of maintenance with every new Toyota purchased, I can get my oil change and spring service done with the best service and maintenance department at Rudy Luther Toyota. Clear your spring checklist with great service from Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169. With your AM 950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Today will be sunny and hot with a high near 95. Tonight, clear with a low around 67. Sunday, sunny and hot with a high near 97. And Sunday night, a low around 70. Memorial Day will be clear with a high of 94 and a low around 70. The Bad Waitress at 700 Central in Northeast Minneapolis is a bit more grown up than its sister on Nicollet. Offering free parking in the back, this finer diner vibe has a full bar serving craft cocktails and a brand new inventive dinner menu including the chicken did waffle. Check out the full menu at thebadwaitress.com. You are listening to the Minnesota Hospice Radio Show. My name is Ken Hagland, and I am joined by Reverend Debbie Meckley and hospice social worker Heidi Simon. Last segment, we begin talking about Dr. Ira Bayak's book, The Four Things That Matter Most, and we added a fifth special bonus thing <laughs> on top of that, and we got to the first two. The first one, Please Forgive Me, and the second one was I Forgive You. And Debbie, why don't you take us into the third okay. Thing. Well, the third one is thank you, you know, um, giving somebody an opportunity to show their gratitude. And, you know, the dictionary um, defines thankfulness as being either pleased or relieved. And um, that can be a piece of it, but gratitude is the quality of being thankful, you know, being ready to show appreciation or uh, to show a return of kindness. And so thank you goes a long way. Gratitude can get you anywhere you need to go. And that goes from both sides of saying thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And next, of course, is I love you. And I mean, we all know the power of just that word love, but I don't know that we always have the opportunity to really be uh, aware of how it can be expressed and how unique that can be. So I wanted to share a story that has been really impactful for me since I read it, and it's from Dr. Ira Bayak's book, um, and it talks about Gunter and his father, and his father was experiencing a decline, moving through his end of life, and Gunter actually approached Ira Bayak as a colleague and said, you know, I'm going home to, to have this conversation or to do these things, and my dad and I just don't have that kind of a relationship. I don't know how, you know, we're going to move through this. And so he encouraged him to, you know, utilize these tools that, that we're sharing today. And here's part of their story. He talks about going back to see his father and that his father wanted to discuss practical matters. There was his medical directive to complete and some property and business issues that he and his stepmother had asked to be handled. So imagine, he says, my surprise when he asked Eddie, who was a caregiver, to have some time with me alone. I had no idea what was coming. Son, would you please shave me, he asked. I didn't know what to say. It was completely unexpected. For weeks, he'd been shaved each morning by my stepmom or an aide. Thanks to our conversation, the conversation he had with Ira, he recognized that this was an opportunity. I know my father well. His illness hadn't dulled his mental faculties, and he would never do anything without planning every detail. There was no doubt whatsoever in my mind that he knew exactly what he was doing. He had deliberately waited for me that morning. I realized that my father was really asking me to touch him. 
Gunter gathered the towels, the shaving cream, and a basin and set about the task. An aide helped him transfer his father into a special reclining chair used for shampooing residents' hair. Gunter said that seeing his father reclining in the chair, eyes closed, completely helpless, brought him to, on the verge of tears. But he postponed them because he had a job to do. He took his time, starting with a hot towel like the barbers used to do. He told his dad it was to soften up his beard, but he really did it because he knew it would feel good. He decided to make the shaving into a ritual, a way to say, I love you to his father, and to say goodbye. He draped the towel over his father's face and let it sit. The two men barely spoke, but they were communicating. My father's beard felt like sandpaper under my fingertips. As I massaged his face, I felt the firm ripples of his jaw muscles soften and noted that his shoulders relaxed under the towels that I had draped around him. Gunter said it felt a bit strange at first to touch his father's face in such an intimate, tender way. He took his father's old shaving brush, cup, and special shaving soap and worked up a rich, smooth lather. It had been many years since he'd used a cup and a brush rather than shaving foam that came out of an aerosol can, but it came back to him. The smell of the shaving soap, the same brand that his father had used all of his life, transported Gunter back to his childhood. As he stood behind his father and shaved the front of his neck, chills ran up his spine. He realized that they were replaying a scene from his childhood. My father's birthday present to me when I was 13 was a Gillette safety razor. And that morning, he showed me how to shave for the first time. He stood behind me in front of the bathroom mirror and showed me how to scoop the lather up as I shaved my neck. It was an important rite of passage for me at that time. I realized that we were conducting a rite of passage for my father. And how his father responded was mostly he just rested with his eyes closed. For a moment, I thought that he might fall asleep. I finished by washing his face and massaged him again as I applied aftershave cream. As I sat him up in the chair, Gunter said, Thank you. That feels much better. I made a point of looking into his eyes and said, You're welcome, Dad. If you'd like, tomorrow morning I'll bring scissors and trim the hairs around your ears. I'd like that, he replied. And Gunter talks about what an experience this is because they had come full circle. So he starts out shaving his father, and because he was there every day, pretty soon he's feeding him. And then next he's helping toilet him, dress him, helping him with a bedpan, and ultimately took on all the cares for his father in that last two weeks of his life. So I think, you know, what this tells us is that just because the words aren't being spoken doesn't mean that there's not communication going on because we know that oftentimes there's more communication without words. Sometimes they can actually kind of get in the way and just to be present and to be involved and allow whatever's going to come can really express that love that you have for one another. And that story um, comes from a father and son right here in Minnesota. Yes. As well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the fifth, and um, Heidi and I added this to, along to the four things that matter most, is goodbye. Um, saying goodbye is coming full circle. It's completion. It's settling in to the final part of that journey. And so everything that we can do as caregivers, as what we like to refer to as anamkaras, in the old Celtic ancient times they were called anamkaras, soul friends, death counselors, everything that we can do to help them release and to move forward is, is divine. It's just divine for them. So saying goodbye um, is uh, that complete circle and it allows us to breathe. Yeah. Well, that goodbye part I think is so important. As I I read Dr. Ira Bach's book, and and the fact that you guys interject that is so important. It really provides a conclusion, a permission. There's so many things wrapped up in that single word goodbye mm -hmm. or two word goodbye. Uh, I I really am impressed with that, and that really hit home to a lot of people in the audience when you guys talked about those five things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one of those things, too, that when we take on a, a patient in, in our hospice practice is that we do ask them, is there anything that you're incomplete in? Is there anyone that you need to complete with or say goodbye to? Um, you know, anything that's left undone. And um, even sometimes things or events are a way of saying goodbye, completing them, not just the words goodbye to a specific person. So it is very important. It is. And we see the beauty in bringing someone onto hospice earlier because sometimes the goodbye they're saying is to the ability to walk or the ability to do things that they used to be able to do. So there are a lot of variations of moving through that as someone moves through their end-of-life experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so we'd like to move on to the, the next part of our um, uh, of this program in this last segment was honoring choices. And um, I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about that, but it's we're facilitators, trained facilitators through Honoring Choices of Minnesota. And um, it's an excellent website to direct people to as a resource. They have videos, they have articles, they have the um, the three-page form and the eight-page form um, of Honoring Choices, which is um, a way for you to initiate conversations. And um, I'm just going to tell you that right off the bat where to get them. They're at honoringchoices.org. Um, so that I don't forget that at, at the end of this segment. But, you know, Honoring Choices is about advanced care planning, and that's a process to help you think about, talk about, write down your choices um, for your future health care and decisions, and also um, contemplating who that person would be that you would um, have as your health care agent to help you to... Um, instigate those conversations and your care when you can no longer speak for yourself and um, that it is a, an important conversation to have uh, to begin to open up that dialogue uh, because if you don't tell anybody they don't know right and you might have someone in mind that you would naturally go to as your you know as your spokesperson but having that conversation ahead of time gives the opportunity for them to be able to honestly say whether or not they want to take that on because many times you might think of a close loved one and they may not want that role. They may just know that they're going to need to move through their own grief experience and their own experience of assisting you in another way. And so to be able to identify, okay, well, who's another option for me then to be making some of these difficult choices? Yeah, that's so true um, because we sometimes think that asking somebody um, is an honor. You know, that they might be thinking, oh, I'm just honored to do that and say yes and not. In fact, I, I told the story, my husband was in the audience, that uh, it was just an assumption on my part that it would be him and after going through the training I actually looked at you that day and said oh my god it's not my husband right and I went home and I said I have something to tell you <laughs> and I said I just don't think it's you to be my health care directive and he looked at me and said oh thank god <laughs> you know he just it wasn't for him and so I was able to choose somebody else to do that so that he could actually be by my side right. and so there are some really things to think about that we might take for granted that are pretty simple choices and to revisit that so open the door to those conversations um, is more about not focusing on how you want to die because we don't have a lot of control over that but it's about asking how do you want to live until you die and the only way to do that is to talk about it and to choose to open the door to uh, those conversations and we found you know also that being able to do that uh, gives your family a gift the more involved that they are and to know it helps reduce um, conflict complications with grief during and after uh, and it helps the survivors um, uh, have a I think better relationships after because things really get triggered when somebody doesn't know and everybody's guessing right. as to what that person might have wanted yeah. Yeah. and our emotions can really can really um, get in the way because everybody grieves differently everybody um, has an idea of how they can and should move through something and to give people room to honor that yeah. is very important yeah. but that's part of that legacy is what we're creating for our loved ones when we leave yeah and so um, we uh, had a uh, estate planner an attorney that was there that day was able to answer some of those questions a lot of great questions came oh, up yeah. things that I I learned things that day that I didn't expect to learn so there is more than meets the eye to this topic so we really do encourage you to go to honoring choices of Minnesota's website and uh, look at the resources that they have there they're a great great resource and it's a very user-friendly uh, form and we got a letter that I want to share when we come back from the next segment because it's really important about how we helped honor choices for a patient of ours who was able to stay in her apartment and it was um, a letter that the family wrote us and actually published it in the New Prague Times that was just amazing yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to hearing that again um, that was quite the patient and, and caregiver that you guys were supporting during that process. Um, that was wonderful. Well, let's, um, let's, we're up against the clock here. Let's um, return and we'll continue our conversation on advanced care planning and we'll read that letter 
which I think will be really interesting. And um, we'll continue to go from there. We are going to finish our third segment here, and we'll be right back after a short break with today's topic, The Gift of Your Legacy Through Honoring Choices. Packed up the photo album Matthew had made Memories of a life that's been loved Are you trying to live stream on Facebook, on YouTube, tired of no one watching your videos? Well, whether you're a beginner or a veteran, you can have better results. Hi, it's Mike McEntee with The Uptake. We're famous for our live streaming of thousands of events that are watched by millions. I want to help you live stream video like a pro for your cause, your group, or your company. I'm teaching a class on June 9th where you'll learn how to use your phone or professional camera to deliver the best live experience for your audience. I'll teach you how to attract an audience and how to keep reaching that audience when you're no longer live. Find out what platform works best for what you're trying to do. Sign up now at theuptake.org slash classes. Space is limited. Go to theuptake.org slash classes to sign up for this June 9th class. There's a $70 charge, but there's a discount for students and low-income people. That's theuptake.org slash classes to learn how to live stream like a pro. Being a dog is awesome, except when you really got to go, but you're stuck inside. That's why I had my human call the Urban Dog. Daily walks, field trips, play groups, one-on-one time, safe off-leash play, and pet sitting. I love being an Urban Dog. The Urban Dog works with your schedule and can create a plan that fits your needs. The Urban Dog. Exercise, explore, socialize. Let the journey begin. Call 651-231-6333. That's 651-231-6333. The fourth annual Minneapolis St. Paul Mini Maker Fair is a festival of creativity showcasing the projects of local builders, scientists, gamers, artists, and makers. The Makers Fair is on June 2nd from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Minnesota State Fair Grandstand. Curious about robots? They've got them. Want to learn how to carve wood or weld? Covered. Feel an urge to upcycle odd materials into art? Get inspired. Explore electricity, ride a human-powered Ferris wheel, and discover local resources for makers of all kinds. It's a great day of family fun with interactive exhibits and maker demonstrations appropriate for all ages, including a special make-and-take area for kids. Plus, they have live music, street performers, and presentations. The Minneapolis-St. Paul Mini Maker Fair is June 2nd from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds Grandstand. Discounted tickets available online at msp.makerfair.com. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram for maker profiles and updates on what you will see at this year's fair. That's msp.makerfair.com. I'm Steve Conklin. And Jake Duroff. We're the hosts of the all-new Mortgage Talk Show, Sundays at 1230. Steve, what are we going to talk about this week? We'll be discussing mortgage rates, why they're at a seven-year high, what that means for the market, cash-out refinances, why they're so popular, and the appraisal process. Check us out for more information or email us any questions at mortgagetalkshow.com. Tune in to the Mortgage Talk Show every Sunday at 1230 on AM 950. Hallelujah. You are shape of my mom when i fell down you'd be there holding me up spread your wings as you go when god takes you back he'll say hallelujah you're home Welcome back. You are listening to the Minnesota Hospice Radio Show. My name is Ken Hagland, and I'm joined today by Reverend Debbie Meckley and hospice social worker Heidi Simon. Uh, Last segment, we were talking about advanced care planning and the importance of doing that well and doing that early. And uh, Debbie, you've got a letter from one of our longer-term patients that um, was written by her daughter, And I was wondering if you could share that with us. Yeah, I'd love to share that. Um, This is a letter that was written and published in the uh, New Prague Times. Uh, It says, uh, to the editor, No one wants to think about the possibility of leaving their home as they age. But after experiencing this situation along with my mother, I have a better feeling and understanding of what may be ahead for herself, she's speaking. My mother was not able to stay in her home due to mobility issues. She started this journey at Malastrana Rehabilitation Center. The physical occupational therapy that she received was top-notch. 
Once completed with the support of social workers, Mom moved into a new apartment at the assisted living uh, side, which went very smoothly. Of course, it did take some time to get accustomed to her new surroundings, but soon she developed relationships with residents who tend to her care, and they tend to care for one another. More importantly are the relationships developed with the staff. Those staff members became an extension of family for her. She could uh, determine the amount of services that were needed, such as um, managing medications, exercise, and meals. The activities arranged by the Recreation Committee are amazing. So many things to do and places to go. Then my mother became a client of Minnesota Hospice, side by side with the assisted living. The different services offered, such as chaplain, massage, personal cares, companionship, etc., were so beneficial to my mother. She was able to stay in her apartment alongside the many other health care workers. The love, care, and support, and friendship, the compassion and respect that each program showed our mother, as well as her family, was so appreciated. Mom was allowed to keep her dignity and make her own choices. Those choices were honored. We felt so confident and assured that our mother was well cared for and loved. New Prague is so lucky to have the services of Malastrana, Assisted Living, and Minnesota Hospice in this community. What the employees do and how they treat their clients really brings comfort and reassurance to families. Keep up the good work. Um, so one thing that I want to point out about this, too, is that this patient came on sooner than later. She was able to have all the benefits of uh, end-of-life care um, and the benefits of hospice early and all of those services inside of what we offer. She was able to experience that and find comfort in her palliative care through her hospice experience. So uh, I wanted, just wanted to share that's a perfect example of honoring someone's choices and um, following that. She made sure that her family knew what it was that she wanted, and they followed it to the T. We worked very closely with her children for months, and um, we watched them honor everything that she wanted to become. And that took the pressure off, pressure off them to have to figure out what it was. It sure so did. they could really really be in the moment and enjoy their time with her. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were six children, so that could have been some chaos and some, you know, discontent, but it wasn't like that. It was very good. So so then moving back into um, our legacy episode, we really gave our participants, after they had explored all of these four things that matter most and the idea of saying goodbye and thinking about choices and legacy, we gave them the opportunity to to release. What was it that they felt that they needed to be able to release in order to be able to move into what that legacy means for them, maybe even following through with having an advanced care directive if they didn't already have one? I mean, I think it really... Um, and living better now. Right. And so what we did was we gave them the opportunity to write something down on a little piece of paper. Magic paper. <laughs> it was magic. <laughs> and then um, they were able to bring it to a bowl that then um, those things were burned. And so the idea of that, I mean, fire, as we talk about, is our most powerful cleansing element. And so they were able to release that. And I just thought it was very powerful. Very symbolic. The fire is very symbolic of cleansing, and, and the burning was powerful for them. So they walked away from this actually setting a new intention. You know, and letting go. You know, that was one of our segments was releasing and allowing. And I really saw that people did this releasing and allowing a new a new chapter to open up. Right. And it's always great in experiential opportunities because you can kind of decide for yourself how much you want to say and what your involvement looks like. So just because you may not be putting words to something, if someone else in that group setting is, you really feel that connection like, okay. I resonate with that. I don't necessarily, you know, you can kind of decide where your comfort zone is. And I think it actually even expanded for some people. Yeah. So keep in mind, if you're part of any organizations that you think may find this beneficial, and of course we all do, we all need to have this conversation. And the truth is, you know, we kind of talked about them being courageous, mm -hmm. but there wasn't anything too courageous about it. Would you agree, Ken, about opening up? Everyone was just very open yes. and felt um, light 
And it's a subject that we have been taught is heavy, but we did not present it that way. It no. was very light. It was oh, We had yeah. people laughing, people really thinking about, wow, I want to live better because I really do want to die better. <laughs> well, I think it was very contemplative, introspective. I mean, the music you guys had, um, the background, the, the slideshow. I mean, that's the one thing our listening audience here is missing Can't out see. of. Sure. Is that amazing slideshow you guys put together. Uh, it just... The images and the imagery was just amazing. And uh, I think just I was a, a part of that process um, about putting down on a piece of paper some of the things you want to you know, leave behind and, and move forward with. Boy, and people, I noticed people were really writing down they a were. lot. They I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't just a word or two. I mean, they were writing down. I thought, was well, that ever a catharsis mm-hmm. to just get that out? And you guys create an environment that allows for that. So, again, I was just blown away by what, what occurred on last uh, last presentation. Well, doggone it. Here we are We're up again. against the clock again. <laughs> we got so much more that we could talk about. But I want to say that, um, that as a part of concluding this show today, I want to thank you guys so much. You put a lot of time into this series. You've been doing parallel radio show and live experiential uh, presentations, but thank you guys so much for that. Um, Reverend Debbie Meckley, chaplain, spiritual care advisor, and hospice social worker Heidi Simon, thanks for being here to share your expertise and insights with us on today's topic titled The Gift of Your Legacy Through Honoring Choices, which is the fifth and final episode of the five-part series called Lifting the Veil, Revealing the Spiritual Truths About Dying and Death. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Please contact us with any questions or comments you may have regarding today's conversation, or let us know of topics you would like for us to discuss on future shows. You can reach us at by phone at 612-930-3339, by email at radio at mnhospice.com, or visit us online at minnesotahospice.com. Next week... We'll be broadcasting live and taking your calls on the air to answer frequently asked questions about hospice and end of life. Thank you for listening to Minnesota Hospice Radio Show. And until next time, live like you're dying. Oh.